Well, good morning. It's good to be with you on this uh, wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday. That has a good ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, maybe we should call something Wonderful Wednesday. But um, today we're um, going to be picking up with our uh, reading in Acts. We are in Acts chapter 12. Uh, yesterday we read about um, Peter uh, being delivered and how uh, the great line where he didn't know what he was doing, but they he did not realize what's happening, but that the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision and he faithfully didn't know where he was going. So we've seen that. Now we're going to see um, kind of the after effects of Herod and what happens to Herod. So we're going to be reading in James, James, in Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 25. Acts 12, 20 through 25. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they came to him in a body. After winning over Blastuus, the king's Chamberlain, they asked for a reconciliation because their country depended upon the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat on the platform, and delivered a public address to them. The people kept shouting, The voice of a God, not of a mortal. Immediately, because he had not given the glory to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. He was eaten by worms and died. Now the word of God continued to advance and gain inheritance. After the completing of the mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem and brought with them John. His other name was Mark. Ah, there we see our guy Mark begin to show up because that Mark will play a significant part in the Gospels moving forward. Because this is John, this is Mark, John Mark, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So we're going to see foreshadowing. Um, Mark will become significant in Acts later, and so you'll you'll uh, one thing I love about Luke. What Luke does is Luke has a good way of introducing people to us that are going to play significant roles later. So we saw that with Barnabas, didn't we? How we met Barnabas, and we are now seeing this significant role he's playing in the life of the church. Now we're seeing Mark, and we're going to see the significant role that Mark is going to play in Barnabas and in Paul's relationship. And you'll see what I mean when I get there, as well as in the future of the church because of Mark writing the gospel. So the first, the first gospel that was written. So anyway, that's just a little kind of, Luke does such a good job in the book of Acts of just letting us meet these people who are going to be pivotal pivotal characters in the story. So, um, but that's not really what today's story is about. I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up about who Mark is and what, what's happening there. But um, Herod, we see Herod's death here. Um, And it's interesting. You know, one of the misconceptions we have with scripture is, um, you heard it said, you know, man, in the Old Testament, God is after people and judgmental and harsh and all these type of things. And you know, in the New Testament, God is God is just grace and love. Well, a couple things when people say that. First, when Jesus quotes, you know, when Jesus says we're to love God, love neighbor, all he's doing is quoting the Old Testament. And that's all he's doing is quoting the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of grace. You don't believe me? Read the book of Psalms. How often we see God being merciful, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness. Like that, the, the Old Testament's full of grace. And that's really, the Old Testament's the story of God's faithfulness. Because you see how many mistakes the people make and how often God is willing to forgive them their sins. You see grace all throughout the Old Testament. And then we say, well, the New Testament, oh, it's nothing but grace. Well, remember a few chapters back? When Ananias and Sapphira lied about what they gave to the church and God struck them dead. You go back and read Jesus' teaching and Jesus says that there's judgment. That judgment comes for wickedness. So 
the New Testament is not just, you know, Fruit Loops and Lollipops. There's a lot of judgment in the New Testament. And we see that today with Herod. Herod, uh, Herod's not a good guy. Um, his father was the Herod who um, all the Jerusalem was worried when Jesus was born because Herod was uh, Herod was not a good king and he killed a lot of people. Now, this is his son, Herod, not the, not the, not the same Herod, different Herod. Uh, because the Herod who was king when Jesus was born um, died, and that's when Jesus and um, the Holy Family returned from Egypt uh, when Herod died. This is his son who was also king and ruled over part of the world, and so uh, he he ruled over that part of um of that part of uh, the kingdom. And of course, these kings got to remember for for Rome, these kings were not true kings; they were puppets. Rome was in charge. Let's be very clear: Herod had some authority. The only authority Herod had to him was the authority that Rome gave him. So in Jesus' day, Pilate was in charge. Herod had some power that Herod gave him, but Pilate was in charge of things. Pilate was called the shot. Rome was in charge. Rome's mentality was, we'll let you do your weird, we'll let you do what you want to do. You, they didn't understand the Jewish religion, so we'll let you do your weird religious rituals, whatever. Just pay your taxes. So as long as the, the, the Jewish people paid their taxes, Rome didn't much care what they did. So here we see that um, uh, Herod had been hearing and had an audience, and um, they uh, the, the people from Tyre and Sidon, these are two cities uh, on the on the coast, uh, two independent city states on the coast of the Mediterranean that were really dependent upon uh, Judea for their with their food and whatnot. Um, so they come trying to appease Herod, and one of the, how do they appease Herod? They they appeal to his ego. They appeal to his ego. So Herod's talking. It makes it sound like um, he's giving uh, a long address here. Um, and they keep shouting, the voice of God, not of a mortal. And it says because he had not given the glory to God, then the angel of the Lord struck him down. It was, he was, of all the ways he wanted to die, that's not one of them. He was eaten by worms and died. So we see here that Herod is now dead. What were the worms? Uh, scholars think he could have had, this is going to be really gross, so I apologize. Um, scholars think he could have had like something like maybe, um, um, Maybe could have had gangrene or, or an infestation of maggots of some sort. It's not a good way to die. What the Bible wants you to hear, though, what this, what this story is trying to tell us is that Herod lorded over people with his kingship. That Herod was this great and mighty king. He was all of this. And to the point that people had to come and, and beg him for food. To the point that he was able to get all dressed up in his robes and pontificate as if he was some great king. And what are we seeing here? No. No, he's not king. God is king. Sure, he has some earthly power. And he has some earthly, earthly strength. But he's not king. God is king. And that's a good reminder for all of us. For those of us with any type of influence or power in the world, type of leadership, it's important for us to remember that we are not the ultimate leader. And that we're not the ultimate power, but God is. Herod has limited power. Herod is not king. God is king. So 
We need to remember any of us in our life that have any influence in the government, in society, in our place of business, even in our families. Let's be very careful to be mindful of the fact of how limited our power truly is. We're not king. God is king. And then likewise, let's be careful to how we look for earthly leadership. Um, the king of the world is Jesus. Not any person. As I've heard it said, the world has a savior and that savior is Jesus. No, no human being. So we need to always know where power comes from. Romans tells us to obey our earthly rulers and authorities. Because why? Because that authority was established and given by God. So the earthly powers only live out the power that God has given them. So we need to remember that. We need to remember where true power lay. Where true power comes from. It's not from any human being or from any human enterprise or from any human organization or any human thing. But true power, true power is in Jesus. He is king. He is Lord. And the scripture tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is king. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. As we sing on in Christmas, uh, uh, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders that he is king. So let's be very careful to know where power comes from and to know who really is king. And let's always place our hope in God. Let's always know where our hope is truly found. Not in any human person or any human organization, or even human, any human church. But our hope is always in God. Remember that. Because right, we won't hope so desperately now. We won't, we won't these things so desperately. Know where your hope is found. Know where your strength is. Know where your might is. It's always in God the Father, in God the Son, in God the Holy Spirit. The true source of power, the true source of strength is not in any human person, but it's in God. So trust in him today. So uh, Herod did not do that. And we see his untimely end, shall we say. So today, let's, uh, I don't think we're going to be, I hope we don't get eaten by worms. But let's be sure to acknowledge who is the king, who is Lord. One day every day will bow and every time we'll confess that Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. Thanks for being with us. Tomorrow, we're going to continue looking at Paul and Barnabas um, and what happens in their ministry in their life. So uh, we'll pick up tomorrow with Acts chapter 13. Thanks for watching or listening. Have a great day.